Amen. If I had a magic wand and I could wave it over you today and give you a stronger prayer life, how many of you would say, wave it my way? Amen? We, we want to pray. God puts in our hearts the desire to pray. But isn't it funny how when you decide to pray or preach on praying, everything breaks loose against you. You know, I came ready. Listen, I'm loaded for bear today. I hope you're ready to receive it. But we get here, the lights fail in my office. It's freezing cold in there. I come out here, my, my microphone fails. We had to look for another microphone. And I'm sitting here thinking, what's going on? Then it hit me. The devil doesn't want you to hear what you're about to hear. I know he doesn't. Because in 2019, we're going to have a great prayer. Listen, God's going to raise up a prayer, a prayer army, a prayer, a prayer team that now, just the intercessors alone, it's 85 and growing. And so we're going to see God move in prayer. So how many of you want your prayer life to grow? I'm going to deal today very simply with prayer. I'm not going to be complicated at all. This message is called God Answers Prayer. How simple is that? God answers prayer. Can we say it together? God answers prayer. And I'm going to read to you a simple verse, one of my favorites on prayer, out of 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. And let's just, let me read it to you, and uh, then we're going to dive right into this very simple ABCs of prayer. So here we go. Now, says John, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything, everybody say anything, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. Now, I don't know about you, but that verse tells me there is a certainty to prayer that we can know that God has heard us. So it's it's, it's not a hope so, maybe so, perhaps so proposition that is prayer, but it's a no so. I know so. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you today for strengthening this church and the ministry of prayer. I thank you, Lord, that our prayer lives are about to be transformed, changed, uh, renovated, revolutionized, strengthened. That, Lord, you're going to give us a vision for prayer, a desire for prayer, an understanding of prayer, a nudge to pray more. And, Lord, I thank you that every person in here is going to experience progress in their prayer life. Now, I want everybody to pray with me and just say, Lord, in Jesus' name, jumpstart my prayer life, strengthen my prayer life. That my prayer life is never the same after this series. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now tell your neighbor, God heard that prayer because God hears prayer. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm doing this because I feel deep in my heart that God is calling Turning Point to stronger prayer. I believe that God is calling Turning Point to ratchet up our prayer ministry. Now, most of us have admitted today, I wish that my prayer life were stronger. But, you know, a lot of things happen to your prayer life. I was reading this week on how Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, as they moved through the promised land, the most important thing they could do was dig a well. They had to dig a well. Because if you couldn't get water, you couldn't stay where you were supposed to stay. So when God led them to the promised land, God had to also lead them to water so they would dig a well. 
And when they found water, they would announce it. They would have a party. They would celebrate. Hey, hallelujah, we found water. That means we can stay. That means we have found a home. Because no water, you can't stay. But then I read how after Abraham died, the Philistines came and poured dirt into the wells that Abraham had dug and ruined the wells. And the Philistines did that to drive the descendants of Abraham out of the promised land. It was the devil. Philistines have always been a type of the devil. And so they poured water in the well, and and, and that meant, well, we can't stay if there's no water because the, the, the wells that my father dug have now been destroyed by the Philistines pouring dirt in them. But it says that Isaac got mad about that. And it says Isaac redug the wells his father Abraham had dug. And he named them after the names Abraham had called them. In other words, he said, I'm not going to let the devil take my water from me. Now, here's the deal. Some of you used to have a deep, fulfilling prayer life. And the enemy, one way or another, has poured dirt in the well. And so I'm here to tell you today, we're going to redig those wells and get that water of prayer flowing again. Amen? We're going to redig the wells. Now, I'm calling us as a church body to seek the Lord in prayer more fervently than we have maybe ever. I believe 2019 is a pivotal year. I believe 2019 is going to be a year of the supernatural. But we will never see the supernatural without the power of prayer. Prayer precedes revival. Prayer precedes breakthrough. Prayer precedes awakening. Prayer brings answers. And answers bring glory to God. You know, when a baby is born, the first thing it does is cry. And when a person is born again, the first thing they do is they pray. They cry out to God in prayer. For the believer, prayer is like oxygen. Prayer is as natural for the child of God as breathing. If you're born again, you're praying. I don't, it may be in your heart only, but, it, but, but if you're born again, you are praying. Before I was saved in juvenile home as a 16-year-old juvenile delinquent in big-time trouble, Before I prayed for Jesus to come into my heart, I had not prayed once in my entire life. But the moment that I looked up and the first prayer I ever prayed was the salvation prayer. And when I prayed that salvation prayer, I prayed all the way back to my cell. I prayed once I got into my cell. I prayed after that night forevermore because when I got saved, I got a new daddy. And when I got a new daddy, then I began to talk to him. It's as natural to talk to God, Abba, Father, as it is to breathe for the child of God. Can I have an amen? Come on. Now, and I'm going to begin uh, just very basic today with a very basic understanding, the ABCs of prayer, just, just to start at, at, at the basics. And here's why. I've learned through the years that most people are struggling with the basics. Most Christians struggle with the basics. Uh, We struggle. Is God hearing me? Is God listening? Is he answering my prayer? Is there a reason I'm not getting answers? Why why is God not working on my behalf? We, We struggle in the place of prayer. Have you noticed when you get down on your knees in the place of prayer, a million things happen to distract you from that time of prayer. The phone rings, the kids cry, the dogs bark, ants crawl up your leg. Something, something happens. Phone rings, somebody knocks on the door. There's a million interruptions because the devil fears a praying church. 
Can I say that again? The devil. I don't know if you like giving the devil heaven. Since he gives me hell, I like giving him heaven. And he, he, he is terrified of a praying church. He doesn't care about a big church. He doesn't care about a rich church. He doesn't care about a great building. He doesn't care about where you're located. But he does care if you're praying. He fears a praying church. So I'm going to deal first today with the ABCs, just very simple uh, uh, teaching on prayer. So let's look at it. Before we do look at the ABCs of prayer, I'm going to give you a little bit of history. If prayer didn't work, then mankind would have quit praying a very long time ago if prayer didn't work. But you know what the Bible reveals? People have always prayed. People have always prayed. The Bible tells us that after the murder of Abel by Cain, remember that day? And he probably, don't mean to be gross here at 9 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, but he probably slit his throat to mock his, his bringing a, a blood offering to God that God received. Cain murdered his brother Abel. After Abel was murdered, God gave Adam and Eve another son named Seth. And Seth's descendants became the righteous lineage, where Cain's descendants became the wicked lineage. All the giants, the bad giants, and all of that that we read about in the Bible, that's Cain's descendants. But Seth's descendants became the righteous lineage. Jesus came out of Seth's descendants. Now, the Bible says that during the days of Seth, way back at the beginning of time, during the days of Seth, it says, then men began to call on the name of the Lord. Now, that's the Bible giving us the first recorded prayer. The first recorded prayer is, then men began to call on the name of the Lord. The righteous lineage of Seth began to look up, and they began to pray. They began to pray. First record of prayer in the whole Bible, they began to pray, call on the name of the Lord. I love that phrase. I love calling on the name of the Lord. What about you? Calling on the name of the Lord. They began to look up and say, God, we need help. God, we need grace. God, we need strength. God, we need you. They began to pray. Following this beginning, the Bible records 650 prayers to God. Now, since there's 66 books in the Bible, if you run the math, Average it out, that's 10 recorded prayers per Bible book. 10 times 66 is 660. There are 650 recorded prayers. So that's just about 10 recorded prayers per Bible book if you average it out. It also records 450 answers to those prayers. The Bible shouts to us that God hears and God answers because out of 650 450 recorded answers are given to us in the eternal word of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ was a praying Savior. I counted 25 prayers of his recorded in Scripture. Just what the Bible recorded, 25 prayers of Jesus. Paul the Apostle mentions prayer, prayers, prayer requests, prayer reports, or exhortations to pray 41 times. 41 times. The Bible even describes different prayer postures. You don't have to do any of these. You can pray anytime, anywhere, in your car. There weren't cars back then, so we don't have that praying in your VW. 
But here's the different postures. The Bible records people prayed sitting, they prayed standing, they prayed kneeling, they prayed bowed with their face to the ground, like our sister was a little while ago during worship, came down and bowed with her face to the ground. That's a, bio, that's a position, a prayer position the Bible records. It also shows people lifting their hands to pray. Different postures, different strokes for different folks. You can pray anytime, anywhere, in any position. You can pray. If you're down sick, if something has happened to your body and you can't move, thank God you can still pray. You can still lift up prayers to God. From cover to cover, your Bible, my Bible, is filled with prayer, calls to prayer, exhortations to pray, answers to prayer, and promises about prayer. Amen. Right now as I speak, there's millions of people around the world that are praying. And you know what? Before I'm done preaching today to you about prayer, God will have answered tens of thousands of their prayers. Our God is constantly listening to the cries of his people around the world, and God answers prayer. Can we say it again? God answers prayer. Give him a hand of praise. Come on. Now, having said that, then we understand why John wrote that we're to be confident in our praying. Listen to what he says. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, notice he used the word confidence. He didn't say doubt. He didn't say unbelief. He didn't say maybe so, perhaps so, hope so. He said this is the confidence. God wants us confidence in the place of prayer. Now, let's be honest. It is not uncommon for Christians, even Christians who have been born again for a very long time, to sometimes struggle in the place of prayer. You have struggled lately, and so have I. Various things happen when we try to pray, and sometimes the enemy fills our mind with doubt. Is God really hearing you? Does God really care? Do your prayers really matter? Does this matter to God? Is he listening to you? Or is he off flinging more stars into space, and you're not important to him? But the Bible says, according to John, he doesn't want us filled with doubt. He doesn't want us filled with uncertainty. He doesn't want us to have double-minded unbelief about prayer. He wants us to be confident in the place of prayer. Confident. Now, I want you to notice, confident in what? He says, this is our confidence in him. In him. This is the confidence we have in him. Our confidence in prayer is in him. It's in his character, his faithfulness, his goodness, his reliability. Our confidence is not in results or the lack thereof. Our confidence is in the character of a covenant-keeping, promise-making God. He says when we pray... When we pray, we're doing it because we are confident in him. You know, a promise is only good, as good as the promise maker. If you got somebody who's not, who's not faithful, who's not loyal, who never keeps their word, and they make you a promise, it doesn't mean anything. You walk away going, well, that's about as good as uh, standing on water and hoping to float. That's not, that's not any good. Because I know them. I know their character is shaky and shoddy, and they don't keep their word. So I don't care what they promise me. It doesn't matter. But if somebody who you know has sterling, steel-like character, and they make you a promise, it's not the promise. It's who made it that you stand on. 
Our confidence in prayer is in him. The ground and the confidence and the foundation of all praying is in the God of the Bible who keeps his word. A lot of years ago, a pizza place called Domino's decided that they were going to make a promise, and they made this promise. If, if you call and you order a pizza, we're going to get it to you in 30 minutes or less, or you get it free. We're going we're gonna to gift it to you. Their phones exploded because here's what happened. People heard a promise. If you call and order a Canadian bacon with pineapples and onions, my favorite, if you call and you give us the address, we're going to be there in 30 minutes or less, or you get it free. Now, a lot of people were praying they wouldn't make it. But just forget that for a minute. They made a promise. They made a promise. Now, I want you to follow me with this. The, 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 the people who ordered the pizza, their confidence and faith was not in the delivery guy. No, he's inconsequential. When he gets to the door with the pizza, you don't fall on your face and say, thank you, delivery guy, that you made it. I didn't know if you'd make it or not. No, our confidence was in the company that made the promise. The guy delivering the pizza is inconsequential. The results are inconsequential. It's the promise maker and the promise they made. We trust Domino's. I, or, I know I ordered a pizza last night. And they got there on the time they told me they would. Now listen, so we, we trust Domino's. We call. We've got 30 minutes. We set the table. We tell everybody it's coming. We fully expect it. We don't doubt it. We're walking around the house knowing that in 30 minutes or less, the smell of that pizza is going to fill our house. Everybody is salivating, waiting for it, getting your drinks ready, getting the table ready, getting the, 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 the napkins ready, getting all ready to sit down and watch. Not them. What about them? I'll leave that there. But see, we prepare. We prepare for the answer because we fully believe that Domino's is good for their word and the promise they made is the promise they're going to keep. And so we are shocked if they don't make it because we believed and trusted in them. So when they arrive, we don't fall on the ground and have a fit. Say, oh my Lord, I didn't think you were going to make it. We were just chewing our nails whether or not you were going to get here. No, they look inside the house and they see that we were fully prepared for them to arrive because we believe the promise maker and the promise the promise maker made. Now, if we can trust dominoes, Come on, everybody. Are you awake today? If we can trust dominoes to come through with their word, then can we not trust the living God who created the heavens and the earth, who is good for his word, who has promised us? I believe his promises because I believe in the promise maker. Give the Lord a hand. Come on, everybody. I believe the promises of God because I believe the God of the promises. I know his character. He is steadfast. He is loyal. He is faithful. He comes through. Listen to some of these promises. God assured Jeremiah, I am watching over my word to perform it. When I give you a word, I watch over it. I follow it. I make sure that it comes to pass because I'm a God of my word. I'm a covenant keeping God. Moses wrote in the book of Numbers about God. God is not a man that he should lie. Or a son of man that he should change his mind. The God that we just worship today is never going to change his mind about what he's promised you. 
If it's in the book, it's good. If it's in the Bible, it's solid. He's never going to fail you. He's never going to forsake you. You see, when I pray, my confidence is in him, in his promises, in his character, in his goodness. John said, I love this verse. It's worn out in my Bible. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. Everybody say he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So that when we mess up, and we often do at least once a year, amen? And we go to God and we say, Lord, I confess my sin to you. We don't ever have to wonder if he's sitting there going, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do it this time. I might have changed my mind about this forgiveness thing. I, I might be rethinking and revisiting this whole thing on forgiveness. No, God never says that. He says, you come to me with your sin. You bring it to me and you say, God, I repent. And he is faithful. He is faithful to forgive you your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And boy, I love what Paul told young Timothy. I love this. He said, even when we are too weak to have any faith left, he remains faithful to us and will help us for he cannot disown us because we are part of himself. And he will always, everybody say always, carry out his promises to us. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Come on, everybody. He will always carry out his promises to us. And even when we're fainting and feel like we can't even pray, we're struggling, we're dragging our feet, our hands are hanging down, we feel weak and unable to take another step. He will not deny you because he can't deny himself because you are his bride and the two have become one. He will not walk out on you. This is our confidence in him. This is the confidence we have in him. Prayer is in him. The answers are in him. The power to execute it is in him. The the promise maker is him. Then John tells us what kind of prayer God hears. The prayer that is prayed according to his will. Uh Uh-oh. Now that's a little different than what you read about in Mark, where Mark says, whatever you want, ask, and you're going to get it. Now we have a condition added. We have the balance of the word of God. It's not whatever I can come up with in my mind, whatever I can imagine, God's going to give it to me. But if we pray it according to his will, that's the balance to Mark. Yeah, whatsoever things you pray, believe that you have them, and you will receive them. That's true, but they must be prayed according to his will. So there's a condition to prayer. It must be in line with his will for us. When we ask something that God also wants for us, what he knows is best for us, those things that line up with his purpose and desire for us, those are the prayers he hears and answers. Prayer is not the act of twisting God's arm to do something he doesn't want to do 
or convincing him to do something that he doesn't consider best. Prayer is entering into the will of God for you and me and praying according to that will. And when we pray according to the will of God for us, that's the prayer we know, we know, we know he hears and we know, we know that he answers. Come on, everyone. Now, let me help you here. It's not that he doesn't hear us when we don't pray according to his will. He does hear us. God answers every prayer. I want you to say with me, God answers every prayer. He answers every prayer. Here's how he does it. Yes. No. You got to be kidding me. No, I'm just kidding. I prayed a few prayers where I think God looked down and said, you got to be kidding me, Wickwire. Come on. But here's the deal. Yes, no, or wait. He answers every prayer with one of those three. Yes, no, or wait. If he says no, then rest assured, you didn't pray according to his will, and one day you're going to thank him for not answering. I said, one day you're going to thank him. He didn't answer that prayer. You know, when I had children, they asked me for a lot of things. I looked at them and said, you got to be kidding me. Or I just immediately knew that's a really bad idea. Now, to my children, it was a great idea. But to me, it was a crazy idea or a terrible idea, and it would have hurt them if I'd answered it. See, I I can look back now, having walked with God most of my life, and I can tell you that there are prayers I just knew were his will that he didn't answer, and now I thank God he did not answer them because I knew not what I asked for. Have you ever just believed God was going to give you that man or that woman to marry? And then a few years later, you see them and you go, ooh, and you walk away and go, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Come on, everybody. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Lord. You are sovereign over my life. You're a good God. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. You may be convinced what you're praying for has to be his will. But see, we grow in grace and we grow in the things of God and we grow in the things of the Spirit. And the more you mature, the wiser you are with what you pray for. You can pray for something sincerely with all of your heart, but God knows it's not best, so God says no. He just flat out says no. So if we miss his will when we pray, God will say no to protect you. Amen? Now, when we do pray according to his will, he can only answer in one of two ways, yes or wait. When it's according to his will, he's going to say yes or he's going to say wait. Now, we always like the first one, yes, because when we pray according to his will and we really want something, we want it delivered quicker than a Big Mac at the delivery window. We want that thing answered today. But often God says, wait. He says, wait. He says, wait. Now, I don't like that word. I have a problem with that word. I've never liked that word. Because I want what I want, when I want it, how I want it, right now. I don't like waiting. But you know what I found out? I found out that God often says to me, Jeff, you're praying according to the will of God, but you're going to have to wait. Now, when God says, wait, let me tell you why he says, wait. He says, wait, because, number one, he either needs Time to prepare us for the answer. See, there are some prayers we pray, no way he could bring it today. It would kill us. It may be according to his will, 
But he says, wait, because that's a good prayer, and I'm going to answer that prayer, but I'm going to answer it later because you're not ready for the fulfillment, for the delivery of that prayer in your life right now. i got to get you ready for the answer to that prayer. Another reason, he has to have time to prepare others who are going to be affected by the answer to our prayer. And third, he needs time to prepare the circumstances for the answer to our prayer. Because when you pray and I pray, listen, God will move heaven and earth to answer that prayer. And some of the prayers we pray are strong prayers. They're powerful prayers. They are prayers that are going to, they're going to hit you and then move out and hit others and affect others. And God has to move circumstances. He has to prepare people. He has to prepare you. He can't do it overnight. For instance, when Moses began to understand that he was called to deliver Israel out of bondage, he totally misread God's timing. We know he was sensing, I'm a deliverer. I have been born and raised up by God to deliver the people of Israel. But he sees one day, he sees one of the children of Israel, one of God's people, being abused by an Egyptian. And Moses rose up and said, this is my moment. And he went over and he killed the Egyptian. And when he killed the Egyptian, he revealed that he was, he, he understood God's will and he had been praying for God's will, but he missed God's timing. He killed the Egyptian and he had to flee to Midian and it took God 40 years to prepare the man for the answer. I know that's encouraging to some of you. Well, that's great, Pastor Jeff. I'm 45 and believing for a spouse. Let's see, 95. I'm just giving you an example. I'm giving you an example. In the meantime, here's Moses over in Midian. God's preparing him for the answer to where when God was done with him, he was the meekest man on the face of the earth. But God was also preparing his people for the answer by preparing or bringing them to the place where they were calling out on God for deliverance night and day and day and night. Their faith was at fever pitch. They were believing God for deliverance squared to the 10th power by the time Moses entered Egypt with the rod and with Aaron and began to do miracles. They were ready then. And God prepared the circumstances by allowing Pharaoh to come to supreme power so that God was all the more magnified and glorified when he delivered his people from his grip. Moses was made ready. The people were made ready. The circumstances were made ready. And God moved. That's why when you've got something you're praying about and it hasn't happened today or the time frame you thought, if God hasn't said flat out no to you, he has said wait, then hang in there, keep praying, keep trusting, walk with God, enjoy life, smell the flowers. He is preparing you. He's preparing the people. He's preparing circumstances. Is anybody hearing me today? Come on. A yes, but wait a while answer from God requires the same understanding you have when you order a steak at a fine restaurant. You know it's coming, but you don't expect it in five minutes. If it comes in five minutes, that if, if that bone-in ribeye that you order medium well comes in five minutes or less, your eyebrows go up. Wait a minute. I know I ordered a steak. This is making me think this thing was already ready. I don't want fast food. I want a steak that has been cooked and it takes time. You see, when you pray a steak prayer, you need to be willing to wait for a steak answer. Come on, everybody. Come on. 
See, our problem with a yes, but wait a while answer to prayer, yes, but wait a while, is because we've got a fast food mentality, but we walk with a crock pot God. And some of you women know what I'm talking about. You men are going, crock pot, what's that? That means it's when something takes long to cook. See, God keeps things in the oven a long time. You pray, oh, God, I wish, you would, I wish that you would do this for me or that for me. He says, really? Pray that one more time because that's a steak prayer. All right, I want you to do this or that. God says, all right, it's going in the oven. I'm moving people. I'm moving circumstances. I'm getting you ready. It's going to take time. But when it comes and they put that bone-in ribeye in front of you, when God delivers that ribeye, and there it is, you forget about how long you waited. It is so good. Come on, everybody. He who learns to wait on God will enjoy answers that fast food type prayers will never know. Amen. Now, how do you know you're praying according to the will of God? Let me tell you very simply, the Bible. The Bible is the best way to know how you pray according to the will of God. The Bible gives us promises. Peter said, he talked about the great and precious promises of God. Promises for provision, direction, forgiveness, strength, peace, wisdom, liberty, comfort, power. All these and more are promised in the word of God. So if I see the promise in the word of God and I'm a child of God, then I say, Lord, I'm praying according to that promise. See, I know it's his will to provide for me. I know it's his will to bless these services. When I pray over these services on, uh, throughout the week and intensely on Saturday, I know I'm praying according to the will of God. When I pray that you are blessed and edified and strengthened and that you grow spiritually, I know I'm praying according to the will of God and I know that I shall have what I've asked for. But if we pray this way, Lord, give me a spouse this year. Or bless me, Lord, with a million dollars, I name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. Or I'm believing you for a huge promotion at work in 2019. Now listen carefully to me. Those kinds of prayers are all contingent on what God deems best. And they will be answered with either a yes or a no or a yes, but wait. Y'all are thinking, what prayers do you have in heaven's oven? I've got some in the oven. And I'm believing that in 2019, some of them are going to be put on the table. Amen. Can we stand together today? Let's say again together, God answers prayer. Now, let me ask, how many of you can say, oh, well, I know that lately he's given me a no. Come on, tell the truth. He gave me a no. Really? That's it? How many of you can say, I got a yes, but I know it's a yes, but wait a while? <laughs> That's most of you. All right. How many of you got a, how many of you had a prayer answer this week? Come on, you got, come on, you got a prayer answer this week. Don't shoot me down. Okay, there's many of you. But how many of you believe one is coming and it's a stake prayer? Amen? It's a stake prayer. That's what I'm believing for. Can we lift our hands to the prayer answering God? who can be trusted, who, is as, who, is, who stands behind all of his promises with his character. 
Lord, we thank you today for answering prayer. Lord, I pray that this message, this simple message, untangled the web of confusion or discouragement in the minds of some of the folks here today or watching by video. I pray that, Lord, you will help us to trust your character, that our confidence is in him. And, Lord, we just give to you the prayers of our heart. We give you those prayers, Lord, that are in the oven and have been in the oven for a while. Lord, we trust your character, that you're preparing exceeding, abundantly, above all that we could ask for or even think of, and that you're going to answer in your good time and your good way. Now I want all of you to envision as you've been praying this way, he's preparing people for the answer. He's preparing circumstances for the answer. He's preparing you for the answer. And in the fullness of time, to everything there is a season and there is a timing for every purpose under heaven. Thank you for your impeccable timing, Lord. Now, with our heads bowed a moment, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, or if you've gotten away from him, you, you know if you have. I'm not condemning you. I'm not judging you. As I've already said today, God saved me in jail as a 16-year-old boy. Saved me before I ruined my life. So I'm not judging you. I love you, and he loves you. But if you've got a question mark in your mind about knowing Jesus and you've really enjoyed this message, but you've wondered, do I know him? Do I pray to him like he's talking about? Have I been praying to God? Or am I just going through the religious motions and I don't really have a relationship with him? I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And you can pray it with me. Pray it right now. Just say this. Let's go. We're going to pray it right now. The only person here is me and you. Forget about everybody else here. Just pray. It's me and you and him. Pray it now. Say, Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Forgive me my sins and come into my heart as Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now with your